Welcome to Rush Hockey Talk, brought to you by Rush Hockey, trusted guidance, unrivaled success. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Katorji, and this is our podcast series. This is definitely the place to be if you want to learn how to pave your way in the world of youth hockey. So get ready, because you're going to hear some amazing interviews with premier personalities, coaches, scouts, players, celebrities. We got them all. Rush Hockey for over 25 years, experts in evaluation, over 10,000 alumni. It's unmatched. It's Rush Hockey Talk, and it's here. Hey, we're back. Another Rush Hockey Talk podcast. It is our series of experts, and today we got another expert. He's a friend of mine. I've known him for quite some time. He's got the nice red hair flowing, although it may be getting gray as we're all both getting a little older. In the Maybe it's been over 10 years now. Casey Hanrahan. University of Connecticut women's hockey is on the line with us today. Another expert in the field of women's hockey. Casey, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you helping me out with our podcast series. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I don't know if uh, it's going gray, but it's definitely getting thinner. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, man, we're having that problem. There's no yeah. doubt. Oh, yeah. I think we've been around too long. <laughs> and being that we've been around too long, I guess it shows our age a little bit because you got three kids, which I did not know actually. So it must be tough handling three kids and running around the world being a college hockey recruiter. Uh, it uh, feels sometimes impossible, but uh, I'm probably going to get hopefully some brownie points here, but I, it wouldn't be possible if I didn't have a great wife um, and understanding kids and their athletes. So that kind of helps. I think it was destined that they were to be, but it, it definitely is. It's a grind. Um, and, and, Having that work-life balance and being able to is, I think, every coach's issue. But uh, fortunately, I'm working with somebody and, and Coach McKenzie that uh, I get to spend time when applicable and try and make that work too. So uh, it's funny, isn't it, how <clears throat> most people think that when you're a hockey coach, you just literally go to the arena and you coach. They don't quite understand that you literally are in the car for hours upon hours on planes. It's not. Uh, as glamorous as everyone thinks, is it? It's it's not, um, you know. I, but I, you know, I think you make the road what it is. If you want to be uh, out and social, you can be. Uh, fortunately for me, you know, going back home to Canada, recruiting, it gets me a time to see my family. Uh, not everybody, but gives me time. But um, I've missed. Uh, I think last year I only made one of my middle daughter's basketball games out of the entire year. Wow, um, that's the ugliness of the job that you miss certain things, and you know. Involuntarily, we uh, we we had a playoff series against Providence, which lands right on our birthday on February 25th, and um, obviously that was just very very difficult to be. And they actually surprised me uh, coming to the game. Drove to Providence and they stayed the night. And I don't know if it was a luck charm, but we ended up winning the series. But that's every coach goes through it. I think regardless of what sport, we all deal with that at this level, um, collegiate, professionally. So, but we're still very lucky. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Now you are. I knew. I I did know this. I've known you for a while. You are Canadian, I believe, from Niagara Falls. Yep. An ex-college hockey player, and I believe you played a little bit of minor pro. Can you give us a little bit of history on your playing experience, and then we'll talk a little bit about the number of years you've coached and and where that's led you. Sure. No. Uh, um, grew up playing in Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls Canuck. I did uh, five years of that of junior hockey, which uh, I think is important to this recruiting era. Is trying to exhaust all options, and you know, don't 
don't necessarily be in a rush to go to college. Um, was fortunate enough to go to Nag University right across the border in Lewiston, New York. Um, from there, moved on to play in the minor pro circuit from Macon, Georgia, Corpus Christi, Bloomington, Kalamazoo, uh, Orlando, Florida, which with my complexion really didn't work well. Um, <laughs> and then uh, kind of was having our second child in Riley and kind of decided to make a decision on to retire uh, after five years because my wife was going through her second degree with, you know, a 13-month child at home and a newborn. So I uh, didn't want to do that again fell backwards into uh, actually Canland Sports had a, a rink down in Vineland, New Jersey. So I helped run that for about eight, nine months. And then luck be it, I fell backwards into uh, a women's head coaching job in Newman University, just outside Philadelphia. And the men's coach who was there at the time, Dominic Dawes, who was a dear friend of mine, we played a, a year or two in pro, um, called me and uh, I've been in the women's circuit uh, ever since three years at Newman. And now uh, we're going on year six at UConn, and um, I never had the opportunity to dabble on coaching on the men's side, but uh, I've been very, very fortunate to be on the women's side. And my brother was there for quite some time, and he was trying to get me to retire to to come and coach with him. And, and uh, he kind of gave me an insight on what it was all about and how rewarding and, you know, trying to, I guess, uh, push down those stereotypes or what uh, the outside kind of looks at. And, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I've been very, very lucky, very fortunate to be in, in college hockey and, and coaching on the women's side. And uh, don't just, like I said, very lucky, very fortunate. We talked um, here at Rush Hockey, we talked to Josh Skiba the other day. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we asked him was, did he ever think that he'd be making his living in women's hockey? And, it was quite interesting listening to him and I sort of had the same thing when I was on the boys side a lot I would be scouting full time with the boys and and running girls events and walking into into arenas and I think in ways guys hockey guys guys hockey scouts rather would make almost fun of you and I, and my attitude was always well what's the problem these kids are unreal hockey players did did you ever think that you'd be a a career women's hockey coach? Um, no. I, I think um, when I was, it was kind of weird when I was a kid and, and a teenage when I kind of knew hockey was starting to get a little more serious. I kind of knew I wanted to be in coaching. I wanted to be in athletics. And my father was actually, he was a women's basketball coach um, back, back um, kind of in the 80s, 70s, and 80s when um, there was kind of like a, I wouldn't call it a pro circuit, but just like an adult women's league that they just took very seriously. And you know, so I never shunned away from it. I never thought, you know, women's hockey, why would we do that? Because you do hear that a lot, especially on the men's side and obviously my colleagues and buddies that I still have on the pro side. And, you know, I still feel, and I'll say this to anybody, that I think if I were, for whatever reason, to make a jump to, you know, the male side, I think I'm an, a much better coach um, for having the experience than if I were to have started on the men's side. And uh, it's been great. I have absolutely no ill feeling or no uh, regret or don't even dabble with, um, you know, should I jump to the men's side? I mean, it's, it's given me a, an opportunity to coach and improve people's lives. Um, you know, my worst day in, at work is the bad, you know, bad power play, hard bubble gum and, you know, maybe some bad tape. You know, that's, that's a pretty right. good living. <laughs> so regardless of we're around great athletes, great people. Male, female, who cares? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Interestingly, 
you're one of the people I, I debate with quite a bit. And one of the things I respect most about you is, as well as your, your, your boss, Chris, is the value that you place on character when it comes to recruiting. In fact, I think you and Chris, in my experience, have been the ones that have placed the most value on it. And we've talked a lot about, over the years, kids coming out of programs and behavior and such. Can you sort of describe the process that you guys go through at UConn to determine if a player is the right player for you? I think a lot of parents need to hear it and it would be kind of neat for you to sort of share your your expertise there because you guys have definitely turned it into a really cool science um well there's no there's no obviously right or wrong i think um every program has their way of you know going about it um i think at this level you know make no mistake you you definitely need good hockey players uh there's no question in order to win games we're still in a performance-based sport even though in today's society everybody gets a trophy but uh, you know at the same time i think for us, we made it a point that, you know, how many coaches say if I could only get my, my entire team on the same page or um, if I didn't have to worry about this issue or that issue. Um, and we felt that coming to character was always the root of, of the good or the bad, that if if players enjoy coming to the rink every day, you're probably going to accomplish more. Um, if, if as coaches, we don't have to go to the athletic director office because so-and-so is in trouble or so-and-so is not going to class or so-and-so, and you spend less time worrying about how to improve your players, how to improve your team, how to improve yourself and actually enjoy coaching. Whereas if you were dealing with more of, like I said, these, you know, these little events, um, it just becomes more of a stressful job and we don't spend time on forward progress. And I think we owe it to our university we owe it to our team and our future team that you know that locker room has to be a very healthy spot for our players and especially in today's day and age with you know mental illness the more great characters you have just the better environment you're going to have and you know we sometimes look at it as players if i was a player would i want to play with that player would i want to be around that player for you know three hours a day would i want to be on a road trip for you know, five, six, seven hours, and then in a hotel with them. Um, and I think that has allowed us to kind of sustain things. But, um, you know, and we all know that university has many choices, good and bad. And if you have great character, they, they're going to make mistakes. They're young people. But if they have good character, they're going to bounce back from it or they're going to take responsibility of it. And the chances of them making it happen again are slim to none. Um and we've just we've made it a, a very big point for our program and our recruiting of character and different ways that we find out is certain questions that we try to ask certain I guess surveys questionnaires I don't want to get into you know it, it's not uh, you know what's your favorite color what's your favorite hockey player that's great but it's more in depth of what makes them tick um, and, and just we feel like we have a great environment that people want to be a part of. Um, and uh, we've learned over the, the course of six years on some red flags that we just try and stay away from. And I think every program has their own ideas of what are red flags. But, um, you know, that that's, I think, been a testament and showed last year when we could have had a season that could have self-destructed, but we had great character and they've persevered. They were a resilient crew. And uh, I think that's 
That just comes down to having the right people inside your program. There's no doubt over the years that I've been involved talking to coaches. I can't tell you the number of times that coaches have gotten rid, and this is primarily in the boys' side when I say gotten rid, of kids that were not displaying quality character, and those teams would go on to do tremendous things. Obviously, you care about it, and it's a little different environment with college because you don't want to give up on kids. You're, they're there for school, and, and you want to treat them right. And you guys proved last year, of course, I'm, I, I believe that you did with your great playoff run. So kudos to you guys for, for, for that. Uh, just to remind everyone that Casey's team, uh, or Chris and Casey's team, rather, uh, did quite well. And I believe you beat uh, a top-ranked BC in the playoffs. Yeah, to right? move on to uh, uh, Lewiston Northeastern uh, in the finals. So, uh, you know, and part of that, uh, it's not that defining moment. I think uh, to, to give you an idea of what I mean by if our season wouldn't have been what it was, uh, right around Christmas, we uh, we were just finding ways to tie games. We, we were leading. We'd give up a lead. Um, and I think every player and coach knows that's a moment where your team can self-destruct. You start pointing fingers and it's your fault or it's that or it's this. And, you know, the Christmas break came at a great time, don't get me wrong, but you know, I think that was a moment where our character shined the, the brightest and uh, um, they they just, they put their hard hats on and they went to work and it, it, they were just unfazed because there was, you know, everybody was on together. And, um, you know, there's there was that dedication for one another. And I think that was the defining moment right around mid-season. And we went on a good little tear close to the second half and that just carried over into playoffs. So, um, you know, but that just gets to, you know, like I said, uh, good character people. How, how's your job getting harder now in this day and age? And I've asked a few other of the coaches this question on previous podcasts with younger recruiting. Well, it's how in the world do you get oh, through well, that? Just think about that is I think every parent would know I'm going through it with my, my young kids is that, you know, we're trying to find character and at the ages of 13, 14 years old, um, and because of the speedy recruiting, um, and we've tried to kind of slow down, um, is the character going to be defined at 14 years old? No, they haven't gone through life experiences to kind of mold it. And that's been very difficult because we want to stay disciplined to our processes that have allowed us to be successful. And, you know, if we want to dabble into this early recruiting, well, without a, an unofficial visit and meeting these kids face-to-face -face because you can learn a lot about non nonverbal cues. Uh, there's a lot to be said by that three-hour visit that you have with the parents um, and, and the player. So it, that's been very difficult because we want to stay disciplined. And yeah, of course, I think any competitor is going to look at the market and say, well, so-and-so has committed these players and those players for the next four or five years. Okay, that's great. But what about the player and the character kid that's in their basement shooting pucks that hasn't committed yet? You know, the kid that's healthy, the parents that aren't trying to shop their kid around to every single coach or the parents that are not, you know, taking their kid to four different programs in four years just because they haven't gotten what they want. Whereas you have the parents that, yeah, I believe in my children. I believe in their work ethic and how they're brought up that it will pay off. Um, we haven't let that develop. So that's what's kind of made our job difficult. Um, and, and But we still kind of come back to, okay. 
Have we gone through our process of the questionnaires and of the, the, the character checkout? Have we talked to a numerous amount of coaches, people, former teammates that know this player, know the family, which I think is huge, uh, especially if we're going to make decisions at a younger process is, you know, what are their parents like? You know, is this player or parent going to try and get me fired if they're not in the power play? Um, but this is happening, you know, and that's not fair. No doubt. And they're doing it to volunteer coaches. What are they going to do to a coach that actually this is their livelihood? Um, you know, at, at the at the youth level, and me and you have actually had this conversation. It's incredible the player movement. You mentioned it. You hit on it briefly. Kids being on five different programs in five years, expecting it to be better. You know, it's amazing that it happens. And do you as a college coach really take note of that as much as I hear it over my Absolutely. phone? Um, you know, and, and it will even talk to our players um, and our recruits saying, look, if, if you're looking to make a, a change, we got to know why. Um, because that's a, you know, we got to question that because now if you're at, you know, the University of Connecticut and are you going to look to leave here? Um, there are some things that are just unavoidable and, and, you know, players have to look into that, but that's a, that's a massive red flag for us. Um, you know, and there's even now it's getting to the point of there are players that are committed that are playing at high levels that are still looking to bounce programs for whatever reason. And they're leaving good coaches, good programs, and it just doesn't make any sense. Um, so for us, we, we very much look into that. Um, and we try and ask the hard questions to coaches to say, okay, why did they leave? And we hope that those coaches are being upfront and honest so that now we can look at and say, okay, um, is this somebody that we want to pursue or do we want to stay away? Um, is it parent-driven, player-driven? I, I typically – correct. I typically – it's funny when parents talk to me and we calm them down and make them realize that you're fine right where they are. I, I I try to get them to educate other parents because it would make their experience better if everyone on their team was calm and recognized that being in the program that they're on right now is just fine. So you reiterating that, I hope, calms people down, being that it's coming from an authority who does look at these players. It, they they have to, and, and I learned something in my days in Kalamazoo and Mark Reed's, and, you know, if the team wins, we all win. Um, and, and what that means by is that college coaches, bosses, recruiters, they, they want people who win or at least know how to win. Um, you look at the Chicago Blackhawks, their first Stanley Cup run, they win. Look at the salary cap of those players now moving on because other teams want winners. So, do those players have the six, seven million dollars because they're good players or because they've won a Stanley Cup? And I think what happens is there's a lot of minor hockey teams, whether it be Bantam or Midget, that if those kids stay together, they would have an unbelievable team. And that just draws coaches. We don't want to watch a seven nothing game. We want to watch two very good teams. We want to watch a very good team and see how they're structured and organized and, um, I think it, it does take one parent to get off tilt and next thing you know, it's okay. I got to leave. And then, okay, well, she's a good player. And then it's keeping up with the Joneses and you got to worry about your own path. Um, 
you know, and that's not to say just jump at any offer or jump at another opportunity to go to another program. Um, if you all stay together, chances are you're going to be in a good spot. It's uh, We've seen it too many times where players jump to another program and they don't amount to much because they didn't realize that they were playing against or with a you know, potential All-American centerman, you know, or an All-American, you know, left-handed defenseman. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's... Uh, it's it's tough, and I I do understand it. I can appreciate it now with a family of you know three kids that they look at a scholarship and the financials of saying, well, potentially we could make a quarter of a million dollars in a scholarship. Yeah, that's great, but we're not just handed around. And if you make this move, you're potentially risking you know losing two or three programs because you've left the program. That starts a red flag. And now, okay, there there go your odds. You got 40 schools. Now you're down to you know what you know 30 from a scholarship perspective. So you got to be careful. Um, is that a future issue? You know, short-term gain, long-term pain? I don't know. Casey Handran, University of Connecticut Women's Hockey. Thanks very much. That 20 minutes <laughs> flew, boy. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. I, I hope this reverberates to parents. Literally, that is a topic that I get nonstop about where to play, what do we do, should we move, should we not move, and coming from someone who does recruit and actually looks and, and values character, I hope it I hope it reverberates uh, well when uh, parents tune in. So, Casey, I really appreciate it. I hope I see you uh, soon in the arenas. Uh, let us know if we can help you out, and I really appreciate your time. Thanks Likewise, so much. Kelly. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Rush Hockey Talk, the place to be to get informed about youth hockey. Rush Hockey Talk, trusted guidance, unrivaled success.